Hello, I'm Gareth Jones. I'm doing precisely 69 miles per hour and I'm heading north on the M1. This is... Welcome to the first episode of Gareth Jones on Speed for 2013. Welcome to Series 9. How about that? Or Season 9, as I think Richard disliked us calling it. I'm in my Sora, which I haven't driven for a while because I've been driving lots of other cars. It's nice to be in my old car again. Heading north on the M1 on a glorious Friday morning to visit the Autosport International never certain what to call it the Autosport International exhibition, show they never say, it's just the Autosport International, so that's what I'm doing thought I'd go and have a look at some of the race cars there and then having done that for a few hours this afternoon I'm taking part in the Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge which is now morphed into a even larger event but more on that Later, I need to stop recording and concentrate on where I'm going now because my sat-nav has gone completely bonkers. I did a system update last night, new maps for life, that sort of thing. Installed it and when I came to plot my route today when I left home, it said no data. What? No data. Do you know where Birmingham is? No data. Really? No data. Anyway, I managed to eventually get it to discover that there was a Birmingham and indeed a Swansea wrote Birmingham in and off we go but now as I drive down the road it doesn't know I'm on the M1 it thinks I'm on the A503 which is alongside it somewhere and because of that it keeps giving me 50 mile per hour warnings it goes bing, bing, bing it thinks I'm on a much slower road than the one I'm on it's unbelievably annoying! Luckily, I know where I'm going. So I've been to the NEC before. I'm looking forward to being there today. And I'm in the Autosport International show, exhibition, festival thing. And there's a muted atmosphere of interest here. Lots of very, very, very passionate people. It's supposed to be a trade day today, but I get the feeling that a lot of the people who are here from the trade and the press are really passionate about motorsport because you can just see it in their eyes and hear the level of conversation going on. These are very knowledgeable people. Now, the first thing I noticed when I came in was a monster truck, which I was very interested in because I've just built one out of Lego with one of my sons at Christmas, and it's nice to see one close up, which replicates, or I should say the Lego Technics model replicates the engineering of this real thing exactly. And to give it some sort of perspective, as Spinal Tap say, it's parked right next to a cart. (laughs) You couldn't pick a smaller vehicle to park alongside a monster truck for contrast. It is really lovely. Anyway, that was the first thing I noticed. Then I got around the corner and I was confronted by a whole array of classic British I suppose touring cars, there's a Hillman Nymph, there's a Mini, so there's a, a Jag Mark 10. So these are gorgeous, gorgeous things. There's a Sierra, uh, is that the 500? Yeah, the Cosworth, what do we call it? The Cosworth 500? I forget now. But 
there I was enjoying an Anglia 105E from the historic sports car club and my eye flipped round to an absolute burst of red, white, black and pale blue and the word martini written across three beautiful Group C cars and when I tell you that these are Lanchers you'll know why my heart skipped a beat I'm just looking at the names this one was driven it's got the names of Riccardo Patrese Alessandro Nanini Bob Wallach Mario Baldi on the side it's a number 9 car I have a strong suspicion I've seen one of these racing in the Le Mans Classic event on the Saturday morning before the 24 hour race and it just moves my heart you know it's a Le Mans car it's a Group C car and it's a Lancia Martini there aren't many things in this universe more gorgeous than that but there are three of them what an image as you can tell I'm happy here already I'm standing now next to the single fastest car at the show. Okay, it's not really a car, but you know I'm talking about Bloodhound SSC. When I say it's not really a car, I don't mean it's basically a rocket with some wheels attached to it. What I mean is it's a mock-up of the Bloodhound. And it looks great, you know? It looks so science fiction because I think what they're attempting to do is science fiction. And alongside the car, there's lots of merchandise to be bought. A really cute model, is it 143rd scale? I think it is, of the Bloodhound. And loads of swag, you know, shirts and bags and hats and stuff. And if you're a purist, if you're really into motorsport, or indeed the engineering for motorsport, of all the swag you might want to wear, this might be it. Because when you're wearing the swag of a Formula One team, you're effectively advertising some multinationals because Formula One teams simply couldn't exist without a sponsorship written all over the vehicle. The same could be said for Bloodhound SSC. But it's less corporate, it's more conceptual. These people are putting this car together to do this for no other reason other than to push the boundaries of what is possible. And that's a very purist idea. Let's see if I can find someone from Bloodhound to talk to and see where they're at with their preparations. The guy I want to talk to is busy at the moment, so what I'll do is I'll read you what's written on one of their posters here. This is beautiful. Listen to this. We're building a 1,000 mile per hour world land speed record car. Now, I know it might be inappropriate to do it in American accent, but when you read the rest of the sentence, it reads rather more like something John F. Kennedy said about going to the moon in the 60s than anything else. Listen, our mission is to confront and overcome the impossible using science, technology, engineering and mathematics to motivate the next generation to deal with global 21st century challenges. Okay, that's a mission statement. I thought they were building the fastest car they could. 
I found Joe Finch, who is the project manager for the you call the, the the learning environment, social learning environment, social learning. That's a major part of this project, isn't it, Bloodhound? It is because what the education team are doing is all about the legacy of this project. So it's not just about a fast car. The fast car is the inspiration for everything that follows. We want a whole new generation of engineers in this country. Are going to get back to making beautiful things and making money out of doing that and making this country great again. And finding people who can do this sort of thing in the future. You know, Absolutely. It, 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 One of the things that we find all the time is that young people they don't know what engineering is. Engineering's a dirty word, you know, it's about mm-hmm. metal and grinding things, you know. When you start talking about engineering as just taking any kind of raw material and creating, finding design solutions for things, then people start seeing it differently and we're particularly trying to encourage women quite right too I'm involved with a project called Science Girl that does exactly the same thing there you go now where are we at with the car the design has been signed off the build has begun when will the build end we are really sincerely hoping that the build will end about October this year right okay all of this is always governed by money Um, You know, the sponsorship has to keep coming. And also by availability of other forms of support. Do you know, we've got the army involved. I saw that. I was going to ask, how are the army involved? Right. This has got to be a first on the planet. I mean, how (laughs) do we end up? This is what Richard Noble and Andy Green do. We have the Royal Electrical Mechanical Engineers on board. They see this project as extraordinarily good for them. The army suffer, like everybody else, with a shortage of engineers. So... For them, it's fantastic work experience for their guys to give them something very different to do. And they see it as part of them and their future. You know, if they're part of this project, they get a different profile. And they need engineers. We all need engineers. That's that's the clever thinking that allows challenges like this to take place, doesn't it? You mm-hmm. have to broaden it, and I think you've done a great job. I'm a big fan, but hey, listen, tell me about the car. I will about, about the car. How up-to-date is this yeah. model this of the model. car? It's this one model, to one scale model is about two and a half years out of date. Yeah. It is astonishingly out of date. It has changed hugely. The whole of the back end has changed. We've cut away the back end, which gives a lot more sort of breathing space to the jet and cools down a lot faster. The fin now is enormous compared with what you see. In fact, the tailplane where it is remains at about that height but you've now got more than the same height again of fin above it right. and the whole fin comes right to the back of the car it's huge in comparison and that's to keep it going in a straight line it is it's just like a dart you yeah, know if you lose yeah. your feathers on a dart then it's not going to go straight and what you would like like a dart is to have weight in the front uh, our weight is a little bit too close to 50-50. So if you don't have enough weight in the front, then what you need is a dirty great fin. At so the back, the, to yeah, balance the back, it up. Yeah. yeah. Now, what are the insurmountables, apart from money, which mm. I'll talk about in a minute, yeah. what are the ultimate engineering challenges? What is it in the spec at the moment that you're finding hard to achieve? Actually, one of the hardest things is the fin. Really? Because it is so large and because it has to have you know, a narrow profile in order not to aerodynamically really affect the front of the car, it's extraordinarily difficult to get it so that it's strong enough and it's structurally safe and secure on the car. So that's one of our biggest challenges at the moment, actually. Wheels are all right. What are they, magnesium? What are they? No, they no. are solid aluminium. Solid aluminium. Yeah. The billets have been cast in Germany, but the wheels are actually being made in Glasgow, uh, Castle Engineering. A very large amount of this car is made in Britain very large amount of it. Odd bits have come from elsewhere, but it's hugely British. The jet engine is... It's Rolls-Royce. It's, it's the Eurofighter engine. Yeah. So, OK, it was a consortium, but the engine itself out of the Eurofighter is fundamentally a Rolls-Royce engine. 
quite right too. Yeah, absolutely. Quite right too. And not the German bit of Rolls Royce. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, the British bit. Andy Green, I saw, was literally involved in the laying up of some of the carbon cloth for the cockpit. Yeah, this for week. his cockpit. Yeah, in our tech centre at the moment, we've got a mock up of the cockpit, which is in carbon fibre, and they cast us just a very, very thin copy so we could actually start laying out the interior to see if Andy fits. Oh, let's hope he but, does. Yeah, we do, yes. We'll come to that actually because what you've seen probably tweeted was photos of Andy actually laying up carbon on his own cockpit. This is the one, that the real one right. that he is going to yeah. sit in and drive at a 1,000 miles an hour in. And he was so happy to actually part of that manufacture process. He has been very involved in the design internally, especially, obviously, because that's his environment. But one of the things about it, it's quite tricky, is that the hatch that he gets into is actually very small. The seat itself, we're not sure whether it's actually going to fit out of the hatch. We don't think it will, which means that if you need to do any kind of repairs to pedals, for instance, you need to get the seat out. It would have been ideal if the seat could have come out actually through the cockpit hatch, Mm -hmm. but we don't think it will. But there is a larger section of the cockpit that includes the screen, which is removable. It just makes it a little bit more of a job. And you can't make any changes at this stage because the smallest nuance of Mm. a change will make an alteration to what you predict will happen from the yeah. software you're locked down to finding creative we, solutions we are we? we're locked but we're locked down to the shape now the exterior shape but, but we all throughout the front everything that's in manufacture but there is still room possibly to play with some of the rear end so things which are bolt-ons yeah like the fin and yep. uh, the rear wheel fairings things like that there is possibly still some latitude there and actually the rear wheels and the struts that support them, the delta that sits underneath, I believe are somewhere in the order of 60% of the drag of the car is uh-huh. actually on those rear because wheels. Because it juts out from the main frontal out. area, Absolutely. increases the frontal area. Yeah. Joe, I don't doubt for one minute that you mm-hmm. guys have the skills and the enthusiasm to overcome the engineering required. I'm concerned that you're going to get enough money how can yeah. we, as fans, as supporters mm-hmm. of this sort of thing, how can we help? How do we give do you, you know, our in cash? The, in the smallest way, you can get onto our website, bloodhoundssc.com, and for £10, you can put your name on the tail fin of this car. Your name stays there forever. You get a lovely certificate to go on your wall. Okay, 10 quid, that's nothing. But we have room for at least 120,000 names. That's 1.2 million quid. Okay, so every £10 counts. If you want to go further, we have a supporters club. Every gold member, £75 for the life of the project, actually gets to see the car running when it's under test in the UK. It will run runway tests before it goes out to South Africa. Where are you going to do that? Do you know? We believe it's going to be down at Newquay where we did the rocket firing. Okay, great. Okay, well worth travelling for. I'd pay £75 just for that. But yeah. we're still two years away yeah. from 1,000 miles an hour. We have regular get-togethers. You have engineering updates to get to meet Andy and Richard and the rest of the team. Our aerodynamicist, Ron Ayres, if you don't know him, look him up. He's an amazing guy. Our rocket man, Daniel Job. This project is full of extraordinary people and you get to meet them all. I am already on board. I'm going to spread the word. Well, you've just done it for me on, have, on the show here. But of course, if you've got a company and you want to support us further, you okay. know, we, we go from 10,000 a year to 1.5 million a year. You know, if you want to do something bigger, then All right. please uh, do. If any listeners have got that kind of cash to this podcast, um, I'll have some of it for the show and you can have the rest. Oh, we'll have the rest. Great. Fair deal, Joe. Joe, I wish you well with the testing and ultimately the attempt in Haxkeen Pan. I love saying Hax-keen that. Haxkeen Pan. Yeah, yeah, it's not easy to say with my list. <laughs> uh, and I will come down to Newquay and I will cover the test. I promise, that's a promise. Full respect 
to a company called First Tickets, who I've never seen before, who've got a stand here at the Autosport International. And unlike all the other stands, which have basically got some great cars, like a BAC Mono or the entire Noble range or the entire Lotus race car range, because the Lotus Race Car Drivers Club are here, this little group of people have got a tent... Why have they got a tent and a little bit of grass underneath it and a couple of camping chairs? If I tell you that written on the side of the tent is 24 heures du mois, 22nd to 23rd of June 2013, put it in your diary. Because as you know, the only way to do Le Mans is to camp. I'll be camping there this year. It's really great. It's genuinely got me excited because... The big appeal for Le Mans is it's not just a car race, and it is the greatest car race there is. It's also an opportunity to camp and hang out and have lots of fun with some very like-minded people. So, well done them. They have a car on their stand. It's a Mini, not the most exciting car here. I've been given a card. Thank you very much. That's OK. And just saying how glad I am to see a tent here. As someone who camps every year at Le Mans... It's the only way to do Le Mans is you camp at Le Mans. Absolutely. It's the rule. Yeah. I camped closer to the circuit than I've ever done before last year. The only way I could actually get any closer to the track would be to be a marshal or a driver. So, oh, right. Where were you staying? I was at the Porsche Curves, and you can yes. sleep through it with the sound of the cars. It's lovely, exactly. isn't I it? get my best night's sleep on Saturday night. Yeah. Yep. Because it's just the noise of the cars, keep yep. going, and you know when there's a safety car. It's comforting, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah it goes quiet, doesn't it? goes it? a little yeah. bit quiet, you safety car must be out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Find out what's going then on. Then you hear the snake roaring by. What's your name, sir? So my name's Brian. Brian. Brian Gareth Jones from Gareth, Gareth. Jones on Speed. Nice to meet you. And you. See you at Le Mans. Indeed you will. Ta-da. I've just seen an old friend here. A car. The registration of this car is kv 12 KWR. I know exactly how that car behaves because I drove it to the Belgian Grand Prix last year. It's the Mercedes C63 AMG Black Series in matte black that I know so very well and you do too. How wonderful to see that here. Next to it, Twisted have got a bunch of their unbelievable Land Rover mods. Have you seen these Twisted Land Rovers? They're all hoofed and booted and look absolutely stunning I'm slightly concerned that Land Rover when they try and replace the Defender with the new DC100 model they're going to belly flop because the old Defender the twisted interpretation of it looks phenomenal and you know what there's a big crowd around this stand ogling these cars certainly an appetite for that sort of thing these days who says auto sport needs to be track based huh hmm Staying with the matte black theme. There's another matte black car, just a couple of stands up from that black series. It's called the Delta Pig. I don't know if you've seen this. It's a reliant Rialto. <laughs> in matte black. Fair play. And it's got a really great beer barrel in the front, just behind the front wheel, presumably to keep it sitting there, I would imagine, unless it's to carry beer. And it is inspired by the Nissan Delta Wing. It says on here, the Delta Wing was arguably the first exciting innovation in motorsport since ground effect. We wanted to prove that even the most humble of cars could be made to perform with a little knowledge and some home-brewed engineering. Like the Delta Wing, we've moved a lot of our weight to the back. 
the front suspension has been changed to add caster and accommodate a larger wheel and disc brake. The original engine now drinks environmentally friendly ethanol and breathes through a turbo and bike throttle bodies. Cooling and oil systems have been modified to cope with the extra power. Read about the Delta Pig's design development in Practical Performance Car magazine. Okay. I will. Yeah, they've got the driver sitting pretty much on the back wheels. It's got a space frame chassis, which suits the glass fibre body. Absolutely lovely. It's still got a Reliance engine, though, I'm told. And it races in the 24-hour of Le Mans, I should say, lemons. Well done, them. It looks great. There you go. Conclusive proof that no matter what the car is, if you paint it matte black, it looks great. There are loads of 143rd scale model race cars for sale here and I always have to pause and spend more time looking at the models than the real cars. Just as a snapshot, the disastrous Aston Martin AMR1 is for sale for 35 quid here. It's 15 quid on other stands. The thing that's got my attention is an Aston Martin. It's the Aston Martin Lola that raced at Le Mans a few years ago. What year was this? 2010. Three years ago now. In black and white, it's the car that Vanina X drove. 32 quid. I may have to have that. You know how much I love Vanina and Le Mans. Have I mentioned that before? There's an absolutely lovely display of cars grouped by driver. And that driver is Jackie Stewart. They call it the Sir Jackie Stewart display. Or perhaps the Sir Jackie Stewart display. And it's not just open wheel races, there's saloon cars as well. There's a Ford Lotus Cortina, a lovely old twin cam from about 66, I think. There's a lightweight E-Type, probably the most spectacular car ever built, says Sir Jackie about the E-Type. There's a... Is this a Brabham? What's this? Yeah, oh, sorry, a BRM P261. Sir Jackie made his debut in F1 in one of these. Well, how did he describe it? There's a bit of info here. What's it say? It says, he rates his decision to join BRM as the right one. It gave me a huge amount of experience... And, of course, he took that experience with him. His early successes were in the Matra MS80. Probably the best single-seater racing car I ever drove. There's also the Tyrrell 003. So Jackie gave the 1971 Tyrrell 003 victory first time out at the Spanish Grand Prix in Magic Park in Barcelona. Went on to secure five more wins and the second Drivers' Championship title in three years. And then there's the Tyrrell 006. Always like this car. This one looks like it's been raced and used and slightly worn recently, which is very nice to see. It's got some fairly rough glass fibre repair work to the airbox. Shame to see such a beautiful car looking a bit tatty, but in some ways, appropriate too. At least you know it's being used. So that's from 1973. There's a couple of other things as well. There's a Lotus Land that he drove. I didn't realise that as well. And that Cooper Monaco. Oh lovely. But you could argue that Sir Jackie's greatest achievement is not winning those three championships but then going on to turn his son Paul's Formula 3 team into an F1 team the team that was Stuart 
F1. They've got the first Stuart here, the SF1. I loved the paint scheme of that car. I love to see Tartan on a car. Racing Stuart, I think they called it. This was the one driven by Magnussen and Barrichello, if memory serves. Still looks great today. Simple car compared to the complex aerodynamics of 21st century F1 cars, but still a very beautiful thing. I remember drawing that myself using Microsoft Paint package a long time ago. Lovely. All lovely. The sound I most make when I'm at any exhibition with cars at it is usually, oh, you know what I mean? And that's the sound that I just involuntarily made when I came across this Lotus Type 72. Yeah, the John Player Special, the most iconic of all Formula One cars. It's lovely to see it these days. It's so simple, so brilliant, so Colin Chapman. But it's not the sexiest thing on the classic Team Lotus racing stand. They've got a Type 94 here, the Lotus 94 from, I think, 83. Mansell drove it, a Lotus Renault, with a lot of aero going on underneath the car, of course. And I was just looking at the rear wing. It's got one, two, three, four elements to it. And that massive diffuser at the rear, that thing was sucking itself onto the ground, wasn't it? But the most lovely thing about this car is the way that it's presented. As you know, the bodywork for the 94 lifts off the whole thing from the rear of the engine cover to the nose. And they've got the bodywork hiked up on a set of struts lifting it off the underneath of the car which reveals the radiators the oil pump the turbos the engine the exhaust the suspension the transmission everything it's gorgeous do you know what this is the motor racing equivalent of i don't know a victorian lady hiking up her massive frock to reveal her knickerbockers underneath it's just gorgeous That is the sound of 20 carts qualifying for the 2013 Autosport International Celebrity Karting Challenge presented by Johnny Herbert and in association with Dan Weldon's family and the Alzheimer's Society. How about that for a mouthful? As you know, I've taken part in the Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge for a a number of years, since 1998, and it is the only karting I ever do. It's an event where a bunch of people get together and raise the money to rent a team of anything up to six drivers, and you're allocated a celebrity driver. Could be anyone. And some of those celebrity drivers are rather handy. However, the celebrity driver in our team is me. And I'm not that handy, and I'm not even a celebrity. But I'm in the team doing the thing. I'm actually racing in a team called Hamilton's Flyers. Yes, Hamilton. But no, not Lewis Hamilton. Paul 
Paula Hamilton runs this team. And no, not the Paula Hamilton who was in the famous 1980s Volkswagen Golf advert where she gets divorced and keeps the golf and is happy. No, not that Paula Hamilton. Another one who's got a team of six people who are going to do their level best to race for three hours today. Everyone gets to do about 15, 20 minutes and then changes over in that 15, 20 minutes. I don't know how many laps she'll do. I don't know what the lap length here is in the indoor arena at the NEC. But I'm about to find out because... Our first driver is out there doing practice, and I think I'm in probably number three out there, so I better stop talking. Go and do some racing. Well, that was a learning experience. I had my few laps on this short circuit, and what have I learned? I've learned that um, I don't have the talent that I need to go around here quickly, and I've also learned that, my gosh, it's slippy out there. This is what the professional racing driver would call a green circuit. You know, it hasn't been rubbered in yet. What they've done is they've actually expanded the track here from the track that the public have been racing around all day, having 15-minute sessions. They've put in a longer straight, a chicane, and a couple of turns, and so that part of the circuit has just not been used at all. When you arrive at that sort of part of a circuit in a car that you've never raced before when you touch the brakes, it's amazing how easy it is to completely spin it. I didn't completely spin, but I did learn that it is a bit slippier than I was anticipating so I don't expect my 15 minute stints when it comes to the racing to go without a mishap but I'm going to do my very best to keep the car pointing in the right direction and the race has started we're already 5 minutes in as far as qualifying went we qualified 18th out of 20 teams. So not that good, really. They chose the fastest lap by anyone in our team, and that put us 18th. I don't know who scored that fastest lap. It probably wasn't me. In fact, it almost certainly wasn't me. And looking at the timing screens, we're now down to 19th. So we've lost one place. So you could say we've got nothing to lose, apart from just one place, where we could be 20th. But, hey, we've got everything to gain, and we've got three hours of endurance racing to scratch our way up the field. Just to let you know a little more about the celebrity drivers, the VIP drivers who get allocated to each team. One of them is Emanuele Piero, who's pretty handy. Another one is Tiffany Chittenden, who's equally handy and very light, of course. One of them is Johnny Herbert, who's always quick, and he's out there at the moment hustling someone in front of him. He races like a terrier, Johnny. It's great to watch. And another great one to watch is Ben Collins, the sacked stick. Ben's out there, and he isn't wearing a shirt that says, I am the stick. He doesn't need to, because he is the stick. Right, I better get ready because I would imagine it'll be my turn in about 20 minutes, so I better go and get psyched. Wish me luck. We are already one hour and 43 minutes into 
the three hours of the Johnny Herbert and other people's karting challenge at the NSC. I've just done my stint, which was very long. We're doing much longer stints here than we used to do at the raceway at King's Cross or the raceway at Docklands. I did 35 minutes. All right, Paul, was that all right? Brilliant, you did very well. Oh, I don't believe a word of it. wonderful. <laughs> I kept it pointing more or less in the right direction. Yeah, but your times were coming faster and faster. Were they? Good. What yeah. were my times? Any about idea? Th- about 32 seconds, 31. 31 seconds yeah. per lap. And what are the quickest guys doing? You know, 28s, 29s. Oh, I'm quite happy with that. That's Three seconds good. a lap and a 30 second lap. That's all right. Thank you. Well, well, I went out, Paula, and we were 18. Yeah. When I came back in, we were still 18. That's right. I'm so that, I'm very happy with that. Good. I, I was astonished. I got black flagged. I thought, what have I done wrong? They pulled me in and yeah. said, refueling. I didn't oh, remember doing anything wrong, so it was just refuel. Oh, that's good. And then for the second half of my stint, the most dreadful cramp in my right leg, my left leg, all the toes of my right foot, the small of my everywhere. Oh, my God. But I'm still here. Another stint. Gareth, we're getting old. I'm not just getting old, I am old. Unbelievably, the time has flown by. And here we are in the last 20 seconds of the 2013 Johnny Herbert presents a Autosport International Karting Challenge in association with the Alzheimer's Society and the Dan Weldon Trust. It's a heck of a mouthful. We've probably run out of time now that I've given you the title of the event. Let's have a look how we're doing. I can tell you in the lead at the moment are Team BRKC, BAM Motorsport second, and Team Stilo a third. Who those teams are, I don't really know. Johnny Herbert's team, Herbie's Heroes, are down in 15th, which is surprising, unless Johnny's racing in another team. There's also a team of military guys who've lost limbs, who are racing in a specially adapted car with hand controls, and they're good. They are really good. Here we go. The last few seconds, I think, now. Where are we? I'll tell you when we get the cheers across the line. There's the flags. That's the end of the three-hour endurance race. Wow, that was tough work, tough work. Where did we finish? We finished... 18th out of 20 teams we were 17th at one point we finished only one lap down how about that that's not bad at all considering what a tight field it was some amazing drivers out there the Stig Emanuele Perro and a lots of what appear to be 17 year old lightweight guys who just fly past you that's it the event is over we didn't finish with glory but you know what Today we raised £32,000 for the Alzheimer's Society. And that is a result as good as winning the World Championship. I'm Gareth Jones. I was at the Autosport International and this was... Gareth Jones on speed! To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter... Or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang.